Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome, everyone, to the Podcasting Shed. I am your host, Matt Trumpets, and this week I have wrested control of the Missed Apex hosting chair from Spanners Ready so that we can talk about all things tech, in particular related to the recent test in Barcelona. He refused to even try to do this. <laughs> Missed Apex Podcast is an independent F1 podcast. You can find us at spannersready.com or by searching for his inordinately large ego on the internet or possibly Missed Apex on iTunes or your podcast app. If you love all motorsport, then why not go on over to Downforce Radio Feed, where you will get not only Missed Apex podcasts, but also podcasts about all motorsport from karting to truck racing. Downforce Radio is truly the nation's motorsport station. I'm joined today by assistant technical editor at motorsport.com, Matt Summerfield. But because I am also Matt, we will both call each other Matt and thereby confuse our listeners inordinately. Or possibly, I'll call you Summers, you call me Trumpets, and thereby avoid confusion. What do you say? Sounds good to me, Matt. Oh, Trumpets. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you can call me Matt. I, I promise not to be confused by that. All right. We also have joining us today from Formula Spy, Chris C. Stevens Journo Stevens. So, uh -huh. hey, Chris. What was the last thing that you've written? Was it a note uh, from your mom excusing you from Jim? Because he's young. Uh, it's because I'm young. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I owed you one from the you, WhatsApp can't chat. You tell? I always, I always did the Jim. <laughs> I can uh, tell you look very buff. <laughs> oh, thank you. The last huh? thing I wrote, I think it was about um, Bird not being very happy with the stewards in Berlin yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah, he, I would... he, was given, he was given the meatball flag. 
Now, I wasn't really happy about that either, to be honest with you, until Neither I read the show briefly. It seemed I've never seen the meatball flag that many times in, uh, in, in that level of racing, ever. No, no, neither have I. Very odd one. And last but not least, joining us in the chat room producer role is Mr. Spanners Ready himself. This is in no way a demotion. I, I, this is an honor to get to hang out with the chat room and speak to them. And, and, and that's it? No, well, I have a physics question, actually, to prove that I'm interested. So I've never heard you talk that little before. Uh, right, so my physics question is, I went to a roller disco today, and I haven't been since my teen years, and I noticed that the center of gravity felt different from my teen years. So my physics question is, ha- have the scientists changed gravity recently? No, but possibly you've changed your waistline a bit since you were a teen, my friend. I don't, not in my head. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. <laughs> hey, tell you what, I've, under, I've underestimated what we asked Tony to do here in the chat room. It's very hard to sort of uh, manage all, uh, watching the chat room, speaking to people, making sure my tech is in order. So hats off to Thunder Beast Barnard. I will try and fill his shoes as ably as I can. But I think this is a good step forward for Mr. Apex Podcast, Matt, because you're right, I do tend to switch off when we talk about the tech stuff. So I'm more than happy for you to uh, to steal my chair and keep it warm for me. But I do want to I do want to jealously guard the race review shows. I want to be in the hot seat for those. That is, it's all yours, my friend. Fair enough. Okay, so let me get this right in the chat room. What do you want from me? I relay the chat room comments and I insult everyone's mothers. Is that is that how it goes? Uh, and the host, yes. <laughs> and the host. So that's you. Oh, excellent. So we, we get to do that. Do you mind if I um, tell everybody that from the chat room they can call in using their phones? I like that idea. Maybe we should tweet that too. Oh, yeah, sugar. I'm- so yes, you can just use your Skype app, add Spanners Ready, and you can call in and join the show. Uh, Matt, do you mind if I just do a quick iTunes review? No, I, I think that's brilliant. Well, I just discovered quickly um, that MG5904, that's also his Twitter handle, I believe, in the chat room, mm-hmm. because I looked at the American iTunes feed to get reviews from there, I then found out that he's American. So he's one of yours, MG5904. And he says, great F1 podcast and appropriate for new fans and experts alike. So that's a nice compliment. We've got Heartbreak Ridge, also an American. A good motley crew, mixing knowledge and passion, like sitting around a pub discussing races. Might have read that one out last week, apologies. And Cart Racer says, great podcast, found the Bahrain show on Downforce Radio and loved it. Keep up the good work from Detroit. I'm not in Detroit. Uh, oh, I'll just read one last one from Irish Boar. An anecdote to the post-Sunday night come down. Often hilarious, always informative. Running jokes, Matt. We've got running jokes. Uh, it's wittertainment of the world that is F1. So thank you, everyone, who did iTunes reviews. Only a couple more. We did briefly feature in the iTunes charts. So a few more reviews. Get us back up there. That would be fantastic. Right. You're not going to adjust. You're not going to. Oh, right. Address. Oh, sorry. Right. Beg your pardon. Yes. People may be finding us on the Judge 13 feed. And I'm absolutely delighted to reconnect with you guys. I just wanted to say to you guys that the decision to stop doing that show wasn't taken lightly. And I'm really happy. We've had quite a few emails from people saying it's good to have us back. And and it's good to hear mine and your voice as well, Matt Trumpets, back talking about F1. So I just want to say welcome to the show to those guys. I did have an email from someone saying they were then going to go back and listen to 
the nine episodes that we've recorded so far. I would say that's not worthwhile. Just keep up with us from here. That's what I'd say. Matt, do you want to go on to your first tech subject? Um, if you want to play the bumper, I'd be happy to. Oh, I thought you were going to start talking and then I would play it. Listen. All right. Our first item today on the agenda, not surprisingly, concerns Mercedes as they seem to have the most money. They have the most to talk about, in particular, a new front wing, right, Mr. Summers? Yeah, so um, for Barcelona, we obviously saw that the the new front wing was actually used. It was taken to Sochi, um, but the team didn't actually use the the wing in Sochi. It was it was taken to Barcelona. I think there was a bit of a psychological battle going on in Sochi um, with the with Mercedes not actually using that wing there, but deciding to hold on to it with the rest of the upgrade that they took to Barcelona. Um, so. If Spanners has put the the picture up on the on the feed, obviously what you'll be looking at is the Mercedes front wing, and um, what we want to have a look at on there is there's three, uh, well there's two slots that have been added, three little um, fingers it looks like that push the airflow outwards. Uh, Matt, can I sorry, Summers, can I interrupt? Is yeah. that right on the right hand side of the picture? That's on the right-hand side of the picture, yeah. Okay, so to anyone listening to the podcast, if you want to follow along and watch the podcast, I've set up a page on spannersready.com, click Tech Pictures in the menu, and you can follow along these slides as well. Sorry, carry on, Summers. Okay, so obviously um, th- this one's actually a bit of a, a, a makeup uh, front wing. You've got those sections on the outboard section have been cut away and then stitched in with 3D printed items and that's something that some of the teams can do at the circuit not all teams but you know the the bigger teams as trumpets said they've got the most money so mercedes can do that on site with, with the likes of red bull etc okay so you're saying they actually did that on site and they didn't do it ahead of time and bring it with them it's well that particular wing they may have done it ahead of time um, but they, they can actually print things on site now, certain teams, um, certain sized items. Brake ducts tend to be one of the things that, that tend to get 3D printed quite a lot and cut and stitched in, Flo- bits of floor, etc. You know, it depends on, depends on the size of the bit and the resources that the team have got. Right. And now I'm just looking at these fingers and the way you've got the air moving. What's the point of them moving it that way? What's the benefit to them of, of, of adding those fingers? Okay, so those there are allowing the airflow to move outwards around the front tyre. Now, that obviously has an impact on the airflow downstream as well because it changes the tyre wake. And that obviously has a, an impact on the performance of the whole of the car and not just the front wing. Right, and, and generally, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the goal is always to minimise the amount of tyre of wake and turbulence coming off of the tyres. That's one of the biggest challenges, aerodynamically speaking, for open-wheel cars. Yeah, because that's where most of the drag comes from. So obviously, anything to try and marginalise that problem um, will, will be of benefit for the team. Groovy. Chris, you got any questions? Uh, I was just going to say, tyre wake, is that the kind of air resistance of the, of the tyre? Yeah, it's, it's basically the, the, the air that's shed from the tyre. So obviously whilst the tyre's revolving, it's creating a sort of vortex of its own. Um, and, and the best way to deal with that is to try and condition the airflow ahead of it. 
Oh, look, Spanner's eyes have crossed. Uh, well, this is perfect. This is why I've got you in the chair to actually pay attention. But I did put up the little graphic of the green airflow going through those fingers and around tires. Is it, th- is it the fact that the tires are actually spinning? Does that cause more problems than if there was just a tire shaped fairing, for example? Yeah, it's going to have a, a, a more of an effect because it's pushing the air around. Obviously, the rotation changes the airflow pattern. You say obviously so, as if... Yeah. <laughs> obviously to you. Okay. And, and don't forget the shape of the tire itself uh, is quite movable when it's at speed uh, and under load as relative to static. Yeah, it, it deforms dependent on the speed of the tire, the load that's being generated. So when it's in a corner, it's obviously a different shape again because it's... Yes. it's uh, what some what someone pointed out to me a couple of years ago was that when the car is resting, the tires are actually pointed sort of inwards. If you know what I mean, the top part of the tire is closer than the bottom part of the tire. So when you go into a corner, the inside tire stands up. Have I got that right? Effectively, yeah, yeah. So so not only so they have to decide, do they, whether they're going to adapt to the tire in its form on the straight or in the corner. Um, that's what all these different p- bits and pieces on the front wing are there to, to try and control. So each element that you see on the front wing has got its own purpose. Um, they don't all control things in a corner and they don't all control things on the straight. You know, And there is a minimum amount of flexibility in the front wings as well, although obviously the FIA try to curtail that with their load tests. I've got a question from the chat room, actually. Uh, f- who have we got here? Oh, gosh, Thunderbeast makes it look so easy, doesn't he? But it's just flicking up so fast. Uh, basically, the question is, do the teams ever do anything other than the airflow apart from doing it outboard? Do they ever like make it go up and over? Yeah, the, well, that's what I'm saying. Basically, you've got all the different appendages on the front wing. Where we've got the picture with the, the green sort of airflow moving yeah. around, in board of that, you'll see a little canard which fits to the end plate, and that will flick the air airflow over, much like the main cascade that sits in front of it. So there's lots of different things that are going on with that, that front wing area. And and also the chat room has just contributed with, uh, find a picture of Lewis's lockup on the first run in qualifying uh, in Spain. And it's funny he should mention that, isn't it, uh, Summers? It, it is funny we should mention that scene. There's number, the, the, the third picture that we've got to show. I've just put is, it up now. It is a picture of that exact lockup. Uh, which is basically when the smoke dissipating around the front of the tyre and showing how the airflow would move. Right. And and is there any truth, by the way, to the rumour that, 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 that Bernie gave Hamilton a bonus for locking up that first run in Q3 just to make it interesting at the end? <laughs> Not that I've heard of, but <laughs> <laughs> anything's possible with Bernie, I suppose. <laughs> can, I, can I just ask, so when you're looking at somebody locking up you can tell but you know just by the the smoke what like the, the front wing is, is doing well yeah it's it's a moving target because obviously the the tire deformation deformations change in the platform of the tire all the time so the the stills that obviously spanners has put up on the screen are just a few bits and pieces that i've taken throughout that slow motion video that particular first picture shows the the elements actually push the airflow out and around the tire um whereas there's a there's another picture which um spanners can 
put up now, which is number four. And basically that one is more or less highlighting what the um, the little slots that we mentioned in the, fir- the first bit of the show are actually doing. It's like a little puff of smoke. And basically that is, you can actually see what, what the air is doing to move around the tyre. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and essentially, if you were to go to a wind tunnel, this is what you would see. They would, they would, they would make the airstream visible, and they would run it across these aerodynamic surfaces. They and, used and to. They used to. Yeah, it's not so much of that's not so prevalent anymore. They tend to show you um, what what you're talking about um, in sort of videos when they're doing commercials and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so the the smoke wand that teams used to use or or manufacturers used to use in their wind tunnel was more of a commercialised thing now. So they'll use it in advertising. You've probably seen recently, I think it was actually last year, that Hamilton did a promo, bit of promo work with Mercedes where he stood in the wind tunnel and he could see the smoke going by him and, and a car and a Mercedes car and all that sort of jazz. Um, but instead now they use what's called particle image velocimetry. And it's basically uh, that you use lasers uh, to, to to do that same thing. Shark lasers, got it? Yes. Well, if it's lasers, it has to be advanced. This is what I have learned <laughs> from watching TV. <laughs> uh, anything else on Mercedes? Because we do have a, a short interview coming up after you finished Mercedes before we go on to the the rest of the grid. Okay, so there's a, just a couple of quick things to go through. So number five's image is their new turning vanes, which was introduced alongside the new pointy nose that they they came out with. Um, uh, And basically, that's just got a few extra slots in it. Um, It's just showing the complexity of the the Mercedes and how that compares with everybody else. When you say it's a turning vane, does that mean it only comes into effect in the corners or...? No, that's just its, its name. That's just what we in the tech community call it a turning vane. Obviously, you've got other things like barge boards, et cetera, and you can't call them all a barge board, or although some people do. Um, so, yeah, we, we call those that fit underneath the chassis a turning vane. Right. So I see that they're also slotted in addition to turning, and it looks like it's by the front suspension. Mm-hmm. Yes. And is that is that to help it get to the brake ducts or to help get it underneath the car or what what again i'm just curious as to the the what you think the the purpose purpose of that might be yeah 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 so the the turning vanes take airflow from underneath the nose and um they help to uh reshape the y250 vortex which is Mm -hmm. the vortex that's shed from the front main plane juncture with the the flapped region um and obviously that that's that's turns in a certain way but it loses energy as it moves down the car. The turning vanes help to re-energize that and will mm-hmm. recondition that vortex to improve flow downstream. Right. now, And that's interesting because I, I've read elsewhere that a vortex is also a, a, a source of drag, very much a source of drag. So it's interesting to me that they want to re-energize it. Is that because they use the kinetic energy of the vortex further downstream to, to help with the arrow coming off the back of the car? It's more to do with controlling the the area around the floor and the front of the side pod. So it, it's all about creating a, a better energy around the car um, uh-huh. to improve performance downstream. Okay, all right, I can live with that. And um, also, I see you, you've got a picture of Mercedes, and, and this perhaps says everything, being the only team on a grid using brake warming covers. What do you suppose that is about? 
Yeah, um, so so basically they're the only team that that we've seen so far since Italy last season when the new regulations came in to allow Pirelli to take uh, time pressure measurements on, on the grid. Um, mm-hmm. They're the only team to use these covers and basically they help to increase the temperature within the brake um, cake tin itself. Mm-hmm. So they'll obviously control temperature of not only the brakes but also the tyres. And obviously as discussions that we've had over the recent podcasts, we know how critical tyre temperatures are with the Pirellis. Um, we also know that all the teams are trying to mitigate the problems that they're having with those temperatures and, and pressures. Right. Spanners, you got something for us? Yeah, just uh, MG in the chat room. He, he, he says it's a tangential, tangential question. It's actually quite relevant. He was wondering if localised air temperature, like from the exhaust and the brakes and stuff, affects the downforce. Yeah, it can have a minimal effect, but obviously the teams are well aware of where that thermal impact is when they're actually mining the cars. So, yeah. Right. And and it's also important to note that it looks like someone's uh, knitted a nice scarf for the front wing while they were at it, in addition to the brake warmers. So, <laughs> all about tires, all about temperature. Sorry. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And and before we go on to, to the to the oh, Chris, yeah. Sorry, no, I was just wondering about, so with, now that Pirelli are going to start using live um, tyre pressure monitoring systems, how are teams sort of going to get around that rather than sort of using it? It's almost like a, a sort of cheat sheet, these these ways of warming up the tyre and, and increasing the pressure while it's, while it's static. So do you know about sort of how they're going to well, the, the first cheat thing... the system again? Yeah, well, the f- the first thing is is that the the measurements that will be taken from Monaco aren't really going to be anything other than seen by the FIA to try and to understand what's actually happening. Um, there won't be anything coming of it until next season, um, and there is talk already that they're going to create a a standardised um, pressure Sensor. measurement device. Yeah, um, which obviously then all the teams will have to run. Because at the moment, there's around four different devices, I believe, on the grid. And obviously, they're all going to have different measurements. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens next season. I, I'm confident we're not really getting more of it from the. Oh, dear. We are getting a lot of breakup at your end, Summers. Um, right. So I think, I think what he was saying uh, was that they're going to take, they're going to try and standardize for next season a sensor so that they can monitor uh, reliably all the tire pressures during the race and that's going to help them to set appropriate starting minimum pressures and that what they're going to be doing in monaco is you're going to be using the current teams all have sensors anyway they're going to now have access to that telemetry and it's going to help them make that decision if i figured it out right yes uh there's uh, firstly there was a comment in the chat from a guest uh, 1506 saying he started listening to the podcast three weeks ago and he absolutely loves it and stuff like that really keeps us going so any feedback is fantastic um people have been contact me contacting me and having email conversations with me using the contact us uh, form on spannersready.com click the contact tab actually that's a really good way to get my attention and for stuff you want read out on the show so it's been uh, great listening to people doing that uh, we put out a q a question and matt Summerfield there got a question from twitter that i might want to pose to him because i know it fits in with his next slide so in your opinion here we go this is what is referred to some people on the internet call hamilton fans hamfosi 
And I believe that that is a hate word. Uh, that is, and uh, that is not a term I would like to to encourage. But nevertheless, uh, <laughs> uh, someone has called himself Hamfosi on Twitter and said, "Was Rosberg in the wrong engine mode by mistake, or was it deliberately done? And what advantage did it give him?" And I'm going to go to a slide of Nico Rosberg's steering wheel as we discuss the Strat mode heard round the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall I? quickly explain what went on first do it man yes please. okay okay so on the formation lap um leading up to the grid the drivers obviously have a set of procedures that they need to follow in order to prime the car so that they're ready for race um lewis hamilton obviously did what he's used to doing whereas nico rosberg who has actually got stickers on the side of his steering wheel cueing him to do these things made a mistake and he didn't reset his strap mode. There's a rotary on the bottom left hand of the steering wheel, which I've circled in the picture, and that's the strategy mode, which is basically um, what kind of energy recovery is going on with the car and how much fuel, etc., is being used. It's all to do with how much you're turning the power up, basically. So did he get an advantage from off the line from being in that mode? It's difficult to say because, obviously, there's... 14 different strap modes on that rotary um, and each each one of them is going to do something very different. Now, the biggest thing that he might have gained an advantage from is that in that strap mode, it sort of gives you maximum energy recovery from the MG UK. So he could have just thrown it in the corner uh, and picked up the energy from, from that. Oh man, I can't wait to listen back to that, but I, I genuinely, I didn't, I didn't follow it. Trumpets, did you follow that? Yeah, I did. And and I had a, a, a similar kind of wonderment because he, he very much seemed to state after the race in, in an interview, I think it was on Sky that I saw, that, that it was not his mistake, that he had put the car into the correct strat mode and that for some reason the it didn't actually go into the strat mode even though he moved the dial maybe. I'm not sure. He He didn't elaborate at all. But he, he seemed to be representing that it was not his mistake, that it was an issue with the car, which I know as a driver is probably your number one go-to excuse for everything. It's not me. It's the instrument. My valve's stuck. Yeah, I know. But that probably makes more sense because was it more than 100 horsepower down, Rosberg, was that coming out of turn three than, than Lewis or something like that? Something that yeah. was 17 kilometers an hour, I know, was the, the speed. Seven, and and it's it, I think it's important to note too that he was in the correct race start mode, and that that race start mode overrides everything else on the car for a set period of time. There are specific regulations about how much and when you can recover uh, energy, et cetera, and so on. And the race start mode ensures that you adhere to them. So this wouldn't have been an issue necessarily until further down the road. Yes, Spanners. That makes sense. That makes so much sense. Thank you. I've been that has put it in my head because th- that's what people have been saying they've been going well if he was in the wrong mode then he was in a disadvantage and he's done even better or Hamilton was even more of an idiot but they are forced into a, a certain thing and then as he went up the hill on turn three suddenly he's he's having to harvest because probably because he lifted off throttle because turn three isn't like a mega braking event no, yeah and and when when and where it's it zero. starts to recover if I'm right about that and Summers will certainly correct me if I'm wrong not that I've ever been wrong but 
And we obviously have a Hamilton fan in the chat room that says, so even with the instructions on his steering wheel, he forgot to set it to the right mode. Cerebro my, well, this is a safer work show. Right. So so what happens is, and, and, and I think we had this discussion on Twitter, is that in, in the severe energy recovery modes, it won't just recover under braking, but also once you lift off throttle a certain amount, it'll also recover then. Wow. And likely that that's what happened is coming coming out of turn three, he feathered the throttle and then he threw himself into energy recovery mode. Yeah, and, you could you could see that from the, the shot on board with Lewis because obviously you've got the rain lighter coming up and that's a, that's the de facto signal to say, ah, we're in energy recovery mode. Um, we're, and, we're maximum harvesting. And it's interesting because we had a number of collisions, and I'm thinking Weber and, and Valencia, but we've seen a number of collisions between drivers that slow unexpectedly or slow early for corners versus drivers with fresh tires who are really pushing the braking point as late as possible. And one of the concerns with the recovery was that drivers wouldn't be able to quickly enough discern the difference. And that's why that rain light comes on when the car is under recovery so the drivers know that it's going to be slowing early, but they've also turned it around and seen it as, oh, I can attack here if I'm not recovering. So it's kind of become a double-edged sword in a way. Interesting. Yeah. But I, I think we have uh, somebody on the line, perhaps. Any, yeah, anything um, else on, on Mercedes quickly before we bring on our guest? Just saying what, what happened with Rosberg. Let's just quickly go over it. So obviously he didn't, go, he didn't take it out of strap mode. So when he, when he rounded turn three, and he's obviously realized that he's in high energy recovery mode he's turned the dial to to strap mode three and then he's pressed his brake balance and then pressed overtake if he just simply pressed overtake he would have overridden all of the settings and had maximum deployment so you know what what was he just caught out by how how quickly hamilton closed in on him it's difficult to say but i'm pretty sure he was Okay, well, I can't keep him waiting much longer, Matt. Do you mind if I go to our guest? I do not mind at all. Oh, no, you miss the apex. Joining us on the line is Charlie Brisker of Team Venturi Racing. Are you there, Charlie? Hello. I've got to take back the reins of the show. Very, very <laughs> pleased to meet pra- Patreon, Charlie Brisker, first of all. Thank you very much for going to uh, SpannersReady.com, uh, clicking the Support Us tab. I cannot tell you what that means to us, Charlie. Uh, well, it's just nice to have something to listen to on the way in that t- takes a sensible look at Formula One. Sensible? We've never been accused of that before, and you take that back. Okay, uh, all right. My opinion of <laughs> you, you agree with me on Formula One. Well, this is this is it with uh, with the podcasting. Do you go centre of the line to try and attract as many people as you can, or do you sort of become an aggressive curmudgeon? to attract, you know, a, a, a passionate minority. And I think we've gone the route of having several grumpy curmudgeons of all different sides to try and bring them all in. Uh, I would say that you've got enough technical in there to keep, to get for me to go, oh, yeah, no, that, that's quite interesting. I'll tell some, I'll bore someone at work about that. But oh. also you've got uh, Tony on there. <laughs> going, I don't actually like Formula One. I guess Romain Grosjean will do. <laughs> Bless Thunder Beast. He's epic at the chat room. Um, Charlie, one of the reasons I really want you on here is because you do what a lot of us wish we could do. You actually, you're not a professional racer, but you get in your car several times a year, a car you've bought, and you just race your car for the passion of it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just, it, it's 
effectively, I had no interest in in sort of uh, anything to do with motorsports until I went to Australia in 2000. Yeah. And someone said to me, do you want to come and watch the V8 Supercast? I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And I just fell in love with it, just the glowing of the the brake pads and the noise. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a start to, sorry, a heck of a start to the um, to uh, anyone's passion, I really. think that'll sneak past the sensor. So that's it. You just said, right, abandon the golf clubs, abandon the golf <laughs> membership. Can I, can I just say it's astonishing you actually came back from Australia alive? I thought everyone who went there got eaten by a crocodile or by a snake or a spider yeah. or something. Uh, well, I was I did live with a huntsman for about six months, and they are the size of a dinner plate bird eating spiders. Okay, so on to a bit of racing. You've decided, well, what category of racing is uh, Team Venturi in to start with? Uh, well, Team Venture, nearly. Venture, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Team Venture Racing. We are currently in both the uh, CSCC sort of 40 minutes endurance racing and the production BMW Championship, which is the uh, One Make E30 Championship. So basically, you provide your E30, paint mm-hmm. it, and get going. It, it kind of yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, most I, I have raced in minis, and they were a lot of fun. But I had a uh, what can only be described as quite a large accident at Brands Hatch. Um, do try and find it on. YouTube, it's very exciting. Tell us what to search on YouTube, Charlie. Uh, just Brisker, B-R-I-S-K-E-R, and then Brands, Brand. as in Brands Hatch. And you'll find um, me in a purple mini uh, pirouetting it. You know, I, I walked away from it, but the uh, main problem was my mother was watching me for the first time and she was stood at that corner. Oh my gosh, that would be the absolute end of it. If uh... well, yeah, she didn't <laughs> come and watch me again. She's never come to watch me since, and that was a good long time ago. So, if um, can you give us an idea of sort of the affordability of it? I mean, this is something that people with golf club memberships can do. Um, yes and no. I mean, it, the thing is that the commitment—I I don't want to scare anyone. I, I, it, it, the commitment of it is way more than a set of golf clubs you've got to really you've got to have a very understanding wife i can assure you of that no, well you fail there that's me out done that's, everyone's i can hear you're just hanging up on me now um yeah no it's it, you do have to if you're not incredibly rich which i'm not i spent from 2000 to about 2007 saving all of my money to be able to afford the license the the um uh, the suit, the helmet, and the car, and all of your money goes into this car. You're looking after it. Okay. You're you're spending weekends doing it, and it is a big thing. Yeah. And well, but, okay. So, so I mean, it's, it sounds similar to a child, where you know it, it sucks all your energy, it sucks all your money, it's terrible, it's horrifying. All you do is whinge about it. But ultimately, is it worth it, Charlie? Is it? Oh, would you swap? God, would yeah. you swap it for three times the money back that you spend? No. Not even slightly. Well, I mean, the go. people you meet who, who ra- I've raced against people who work for McLaren. I've raced against people who work for British touring car teams. I can, you know, I, I've met some really, really interesting people. The 15 minutes that you spend on track going through corners at 80 mile an hour going down. I, I don't know if you know the uh, Craner curves at Donington. Everyone's nodding. 
I, I've that is the fastest point at Donington, the bottom of that, which I would have thought it was the end of the the straight, but it's not. The fastest point is the bottom of that, and where when you're throwing yourself down there at 102 mile an hour, while a very similar car is doing much the same thing. Well, three or four similar cars are doing much the same thing. It is exhilarating. You don't, there's nothing else in my life that I have done that is like that. <laughs> I believe you and I'm jealous. And senior Charlie in the chat room says, wow, just watch Charlie's accident. The smoke rings, the mini is blowing when it's on its side. <laughs> yeah. When it's on its side are very impressive. That's great. So Charlie, two things. Where can people find you, follow your team's progress? I know you've got a Facebook page. Um, yeah, to find Team Venture Racing on Facebook. Not or... Ventura, Team Venture, sorry. Yeah, Team Venture. and Or uh, you can follow us on the Twitter, as my mother calls it, um, on at Team Venture Race. At Team Venture Race. And a big announcement as far as we're concerned. I'm so excited and I cannot believe that you're doing this. What are you putting on the side of your car? Oh, uh, the uh, Missed Apex podcast. Get we're in! We're, we're going to be putting that on there. Yes, you're <laughs> going to be uh, driving around, and uh, we're, we'll be sending you pictures when we've got it. And oh well, um, I will make every effort to come trackside and try and try and see that car with Mist Apex on it, and get my ugly mug photographed uh, next to it. And, th- <laughs> and I was excited before I knew about all the highbrow uh, motorsport people that you come into contact with. An absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for putting Mist Apex on the side of your car, uh, and I hope you have a great season. Thank you very much and hope to see you soon. Catch you soon, Charlie. Bye. Cheers, bye. I hand you back to the tech time stuff. Righto. So uh, much as the race informed us, it turns out there's a team besides Mercedes <laughs> in Formula One. <laughs> but and, Lewis and Hamilton doesn't even drive two for them. that I think you wanted to talk about. All right, Summers? Yeah, so obviously um, there are some other teams in Formula One. We probably never see them because it's so far behind the Mercedes. Um, but uh, obviously Ferrari are the next best team. Um, and one of the things I wanted to quickly talk about with the Ferraris is in slide eight, which is the Ferrari brake duct. And um, this basically is, um, we'll look at this picture and then follow it on with the following picture. Um, it's an asymmetric layout, um, which is something that teams don't tend to do a lot of but it's all to do with cooling. So on a circuit like Barcelona, where you're obviously turning one one particular direction a lot of the time, you might want to do something particular with the tyres. And Ferrari were doing that. So in the, the, um, the, the slide number eight, you can see that there's some teardrop-shaped inlets, or outlets even, um, in the crossover pipe. And those allow, air, allow hot air to escape into the wheel rim and into the tyre and obviously change the the way in which the the tyre itself is heated to to obviously improve performance. Right. Where is that crossover pipe coming from? Is that Uh, from the engine or is that coming from the brakes themselves? Okay, so that's the front brake that we're looking at. And the the crossover pipe comes from the inlet, the brake inlet. So that's where the airflow moves in and it crosses over the front of the brake disc and it then ejects airflow out of the wheel rim itself. So it's all to do with aero, that particular component. Right. And that was one of the ones that was, interestingly enough, the brake ducts was dropped from the listed parts the year before Haas came on. And much to, I think, a lot of people's surprise, it's become a real, if you'll pardon the expression, hotbed of aero research. And they've become very, very complicated in managing downstream airflow. 
Yes, pretty much. And you've also got things like the blown axle, which is basically a hollowed axle, which allows airflow that is taken by the inlet to be pushed out through the centre of the, the wheel, mm. um, out through the wheel nut. Um, and that basically uh, changes the airflow structures downstream as well. Um, and and that and that's for cooling then or heating mostly the the or for both they, it can change depending upon the where the tire is and how it's being worked on the particular circuit. It depends on which configuration they're using. So obviously in slide eight we're looking at uh, the the layout with the teardropped outlets, and mm-hmm. that allows more air to more hot air to be released from the disc into the the rim and then onto the tire itself. Whereas on the other side of the car, which is the left-hand side of the car, the right as we would look at it, um, you, you don't have those holes in the crossover pipe. So the air can't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Make its way to the... To the- wheel rim and it can't make its way to the tyre as effectively. Uh, I think the chat room are taking issue with you saying that Ferrari are the second best team uh, <laughs> with they're saying, are they Summers? Are they? Uh, well, in terms of the championship, they're the second best team. Yeah, good point, chat room. You might want to look at the table before you besmirch Summers F1. <laughs> with the, um, with, with those, um, uh, what did you describe, the, the teardrop shaped uh, ones on the brakes, Yes. They've got it on the right front on this one. Is that because um, obviously in Barcelona there's a lot of longer high-speed right-hand corners and so the left front will get hotter and yes. so they're trying to balance out the temperatures between the left and the right? Yeah, that's exactly it, basically. Okay. They're, they're, they're trying to they're trying to marginalise the tyre performance on either side of the car. As I say, because there's lots of right-hand corners, as you as you just put. That's very clever. Right. Well, onward and backward, I suppose. You've also posted up a very nice picture of Ferrari's brand new rear wing, and there's some uh, some things you read about. Uh, I'm just very curious as your take on it. What are they What are they up to here, and what what do you see as uh, being interesting about this? Okay, so obviously each circuit's got its own characteristics and 
downforce levels, etc. Um, Ferrari bought a new front, a new rear wing to uh, Barcelona to try and change the downforce that they were generating at the rear of the car, um, as did a lot of the other teams. Um, but Ferrari's main plane, which is the the black section that you can see in the picture, that's the lower element of the rear wing, that has mm -hmm. changed. Um, and that change that changes how the airflow then moves rearwards over those two flaps um, and changes the amount of downforce that can be generated. On the end plate itself, which is the vertical element that obviously upstands and creates the wing, you've got two gradient slots, whereas previously they only used one. Now that to me infers that they're trying to create more downforce because to enable them to use those gradient slots um, they're pushing more airflow inboard, and that means then that the rear wing will work harder. Um, so yeah, just just a num numerous changes basically to try and increase downforce and, and give them a bit more balance. So when right. they go to, a... sorry, Matt. No, no, go ahead. When they go, go to ahead. when they go to a track like um, like uh, Montreal, which we got after uh, Monaco. Are they going to use a much more simpler wing, which doesn't have to, uh, as as many of those those channels, as it were? It may have many channels, um, but they will work in very different ways. So it's, that you'll notice in Montreal that the wing would be trimmed out, so there'll be less less angle of attack on the on the, the wing elements themselves. Um, but the actual slots, etc., you may not see too many differences. It, it's all to do with the, the angle and, and how those um, louvers and gradient slots, etc., help to, to move the airflow over the wings, wing planes themselves. Okay. Right. And so now the question I was going to ask, because it's a bit difficult to see in the picture, is is you think those slots are meant to move air from outside to inside on top of the wing to help um, increase the pressure differential, or it's going to the underside? Underside of the wing, yes. Yes. Okay, so and, you're bleeding uh, higher pressure air or into the underside of the wing to try and get that moving faster so you increase the pressure differential yes. between the top of the wing and the bottom, which adds downforce. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I did a bit of reading on, uh, on rear wings, and it's pretty fascinating. And, and one of the things that's interesting is not all of these things all work efficiently at all speeds. So they don't always work against each other, even though it might seem like it at first. Yeah, the sorry, Spanners. Oh no, it was just a question from the from the chat room. Um, if you look at the picture, there's the sort of advert with, with a firm called M A H L E, and I'm sure people will even without the picture, you'll be able to know that they have these very kind of subtle indents, striking diagonally, sort of rising up from the tire area. And and the question from the chat room is. Do they really have an effect? That subtlety of of indent. Yes, but basically, that, those are what we call strikes. Um, there, there can only be a certain size by regulation because the actual width of the end plate can own, can't exceed twenty millimeters. So, the wing will be scalloped and shaped in order to stay within that twenty millimeters, and those strikes will take them to the twenty millimeter restriction. Uh, whereas the where there isn't any end plate as such, you you obviously obviously can move the pressure around. Mm -hmm. So that those strikes basically um, help to distribute the pressure 
and help to upwash the flow to improve performance on the wing. There you go, chat room words. Right. Well, it's it's interesting, and I'm curious now that I've read up on rear wings a little bit, even though even though I know you're going to go on. One of the things that interested me was ways in which they shape this airflow to expand the amount of space the diffuser gets into, and then the attempt to attach the diffuser airflow to the airflow coming off off of the rear wing and the challenges they face with that. And um, do we see also in this sort of a solution for the exhaust interfering with connecting the diffuser to the rear wing? Yeah, so on the Ferrari, which you haven't seen for the rest of the season, you've got a what we call a monkey seat sat over the top of the exhaust, and that helps to connect those two airflow structures you're just talking about. So the diffuser and the rear wing, you want them to connect the, the, the structures together and then obviously they, they work in harmony to create more downforce. And the monkey seat that sits over the exhaust helps to connect those two airflow structures. Sorry, and that's sort of they, a... Sorry, did you say they haven't been running that so far? No, because there's not so much need for high downforce configuration. So that um, the the monkey seat is more about balance. It helps in in corners because it helps to keep the diffuser and the rear wing talking to to one another as such. So that that helps to upwash the airflow basically and keep the structures talking to one another. Okay, I right. thought it was a fairly standard part. It's just become part of the the rear wing in general now, but. Obviously not. Well, they can deploy it or not, depending upon the circuit. I think. I think. I think is the point. But the 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 goal of it, if I've understood my preparation correctly, is to keep the coefficient between the low pressure and high pressure. The bigger that is, the more downforce you generate, and that the more downforce you generate, the more drag you generate. But if you generate more down more downforce per point of drag then you're basically winning the compromise. And the more connected the flow of air is at the back between the bottom and the top, the better the car works um, at speed. Yeah. Uh, and the, the diffuser creates less drag. So obviously by connecting those two flows, you're in effect creating less drag because you're creating less drag from the, from the, the diffuser connection, basically. Right. I think Spanners has fallen into a coma. <laughs> Do you want to? Move, are you moving on to Red Bull now? Are you, Matt? Yeah, no. I mean, I could, I could honestly talk about this for hours. I know I you found could. it so fascinating, but I'm not going to. I, I respect your need to actually have a life. So yeah, why don't we go ahead and, and hop on to the the Red Bull there? Because I do have some questions. Yeah, Mr. Spanner. Sorry, sorry. This is what, what Tony feels like. I feel like I'm interrupting the show, but uh, let me just uh, let me just say this. Honestly, we're getting really good feedback in the chat room. People are loving the tech talk. And, and it is interesting, the bits I'm catching. Uh, but they're saying to me, they're criticizing me and saying, why have you got the ads? You need to get some money together and have the ad-free version of the Ustream. This is a genuine whinge that the chat room has said. Well, interestingly enough, we do have a way to support the show. You can go to spannersready.com. Click the Support Us tab and you click the Missed Apex Patreon tab and it will take you to patreon.com and you can support us in that way. And having an ad-free live stream is definitely one of the stated goals uh, of the funding for Patreon. So, uh, yeah, leave it to it, Mr. Mr. Trumpets. All right, then. Where did everybody go? 
There goes our video again. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's a thing that Skype's decided to do. It wants you to buy a premium version. Everyone needs to turn the video off and on again and, and on then back on. Right. So, well, we can go ahead and, and throw to Summers while we play this fun game of Skype is a, well, anyway. <laughs> You didn't. You you say specifically there weren't any wholesale changes, but we are very interestingly, and also with Renault, looking at some power unit updates coming as potentially early as Monaco. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the Renault power unit, or should we call it a tagger when we're talking about Red Bull? Uh, I don't think so. But anyway, um, I feel like we should just call it an engine and be done with it. It's just so hard to say power unit. Too many syllables. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so the, the power unit obviously has been a bit of a problem for Red Bull um, over the last two years. Not only had a problem in terms of power, but also fuel usage. And the update that Renault ran at the post-Barcelona Grand Prix test is supposedly going to sort many of those problems out. Um, not only is it going to bring reportedly 40 to 50 horsepower, but it's also going to uh, resolve some of the fuel issues that uh, they've been having um, and something that we talked about in the past, which is the TGI um, development that Mercedes have been running for some time and Ferrari started the season with. Right. Now, I was going to ask if that was going to be the main source of the improvement, and, and apparently that is. And and can you just hop over that real quick for people who have not necessarily been listening how that works compared to a standard cylinder uh, ignition? What? what? Yeah, I was okay. listening. I was listening. What are you on about? <laughs> okay, so basically, instead of injecting the fuel into the cylinder and igniting it with the spark plug, um, Mercedes and then Ferrari have been using a system whereby uh, the direct injector throws um, it already ignited fuel into the cylinder. Um, and they can uh, that allows them to run the fuel and uh, the air mixture much more lean, which in turn obviously means they use less fuel, um, which is obviously an advantage in terms of being able to run less weight in the car. Right, and it's interesting. They have it almost looks like a UFO shaped connector between the specially shaped upper chamber and the main chamber that actually directs the already ignited upper chamber to specific spots in the the main chamber to ignite it so that it burns more evenly and they get they get more power for less fuel. It allows them to lean it out in other words, right? Yeah, basically and still produce the same if not more power. Um so they're running with with a much leaner mixture, but it's obviously igniting much more efficiently. So the interesting right. thing for for me is that they obviously think it's enough of a game again to introduce at monaco the least engine efficient uh, track on the calendar yeah so they've only got two power units ready as matt's just signaled yeah. um and that that's purely down to the fact that it was due for montreal yeah so who are they going to give it to because they've got one uh, for red bull one for renault yeah the, so, the talk the talk of the town is magnuson and ricardo makes sense Oh, but imagine just win a Grand Prix. Imagine if they gave it to Verstappen. <laughs> Ricardo may as well hand his notice in. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time that the leading driver didn't get the best part. Are we talking Mark Webber's front wing? Are we in the uh, the crybaby not birth oh, number two? That was not a crybaby. He was so justified. That's the best moment I've ever seen. It's when it just goes, 
I think the team is happy with the result today. It slams his drink down. I love just someone having like That's a proper brilliant. full on strop. Unless it's Lewis Hamilton that does it, and then he's a diva and it should be stamped out immediately. Oh, hashtag 44 Hamfosi. But I do have I do have a more subtle question for you, Mr. Summers. It suddenly has popped up post Barcelona test. I've seen several different people writing that now suddenly Red Bull has the best chassis. Everyone seems to be in agreement on this. I did not hear that at the beginning of last season when we heard all of the shouting and yelling about the Renault engine sucking so badly. And I'm I'm just wondering if there was a connection between the state of Red Bull chassis last year and uh, how much yelling they did about the Renault power units. Well, I think that you have to remember that there's a sort of bleed from the Adrian Newey years into the Dan Fallows um, lead on, on the aero side. So there was always going to be some kind of disconnect between there being the numero uno chassis. Um, I still, f- I've always thought that Red Bull have perhaps got almost the, the best chassis, but it's so difficult these days to be able to say, well, one chassis is better than another because they're so intrinsically linked to the power units. You know, without the power unit, the, you could have the best chassis on the planet, but it's still not going to be able to, to beat the Mercedes power unit with a slightly less better chassis. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's sort of been the general consensus since these new regulations came in that Red Bull has had a good chassis. You put a Ferrari or Mercedes engine in it and it will be right up there at the front of the field. Yeah, McLaren are saying the same thing, though. They are, because they've got a terrible power unit now. And I can kind of see where they're coming from, because they have had, last year, their best result came at uh, Hungary, uh, or I think Texas, but that was in the, the rain as well. And and that points to the, the, the chassis in the aero being, you know, decent. I think one of the other things that you have to remember about the Renault slash Red Bull relationship is that when um when you have these kind of problems with the power unit, you try to marginalise it with the aero. So obviously they backed off the amount of downforce that is generated because there's no point having oodles of downforce if you can't use it because you haven't got enough power to drive it. So I I think as we see them adding more power, we'll start to see them adding more downforce again. Right, Spa, weren't they like really um, trimming the wing, but they were still quickest in the middle sector, which is more aero dependent. Uh, right, Spanners. The chat room is just saying it's rubbish from McLaren and Red Bull and Mercedes has the best chassis overall. Summers, do you think Mercedes has the best chassis overall? Equal engines? Equal engines? Yeah. I, I would put I would put Red Bull and Mercedes together with chassis-wise. Um, I wouldn't put McLaren in that same bracket. Um, well, wait I a minute. Pro- what, hang on. Eric Boulier <laughs> said that they've got the best chassis. They, they, he said he's got the data. Yeah, I've got some data as well. (laughs) We're not surely saying that the principal of McLaren would tell a a fib. Eric the the Believable? He's not the team principal. What what is he? He's a racing Racing director. director. What does that mean? (laughs) It means he does whatever Ron tells him to. Okay, well, the picture we put up on the website, it's got that, um, that green Flovis paint. Uh, all over it was that was that illustrating anything in particular i just wanted to show basically that mclaren had a new front wing um available to them in barcelona only jensen button ran the new front wing which chris will be pleased to know 
Um, <laughs> I did so, have a question about this. Oh, actually, right, yeah. Because when, well, when um, Williams introduced their new front wing in Bahrain, they found it had a massive, massive imbalance um, on the car. Suddenly the rear was, you know, all over the place. I, I don't suppose you know if McLaren encountered the same issue at all? Uh, they'll have some issues because that front wing is actually was actually bought forward. It wasn't specifically due for Barcelona. So there's other components that downstream will obviously have an impact. Um, this is the first time that they've moved away from a specific type of wing, though. This, this one that they ran in Barcelona is a new type of wing, a new lineage as such, and they're actually quite proud of it, apparently, down at McLaren. So um, it might be something that will bring them lots of performance down 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 the line at some point though mclaren they must know that when they make these claims everyone's going yes we've been hearing the same thing since the end of 2012 please just shut up and do something and just 2012 2008 it's just no but i mean 2012 is when they kind of stopped qualifying in the top 10 isn't it at the after 2012 2012 yeah. was their last win. And even yeah. in 2012, that engine was breaking down every five minutes. Well, you've got to blame engine... Mercedes for that, though. <laughs> well, you can blame Mercedes for that, but also their strategy, their pit, everything was awful in 2012 for McLaren. Except, the except the raw speed of the car. Yeah, which I mean, was, was unbelievable. was the only, and, and to this day, I miss this, and I think this is one of the biggest problems. Yeah, I know. Well, what, are the, what happened in 2012? I know. What happened in 2012 to me that I that went away with McLaren and departed with Lewis was that in 2012, all of the teams save McLaren were running a high rate configuration and copying Red Bull. McLaren was running a low rake as close to the ground as you can get. And they were the only car that was genuinely competitive with Red Bull. And it was the last time we saw divergent aero solutions with the underbody of the car. And I think it's a shame that we don't have regulations open enough that people can can approach similar performance matrices, matrices from different directions. And I think it's one of the things that the sport is lacking, particularly compared to the WEC. All right, rant over. Fort- Fortis in the chat says, it doesn't matter what wing you give Jensen, he'll still say it lacks grip. <laughs> <laughs> Understeer. It's too Understeer. everywhere. No grip. Yeah, no grip. Yeah. Um, uh... Just put some rain tires on. Yeah. no, uh, You might be right. It's every single race. He's like, mm, well, yeah, I don't know why we were back. I mean, we would have, if only we had some grip. It's everyone's <laughs> fault but my own. Uh, there we go. And, and the chat room is also saying it wasn't the engine in 2012. It was the incompetence of the team members. Um, not too sure. I can disagree too much with that. Sorry, I'm keeping you from the Monaco preview, Matt. Right. So how about we jump onto the Williams completely illegal but very interesting looking rear wing real quick before we head on to Monaco. Looked awesome though, didn't it, that rear wing? No. The looks yeah, are a bit subjective, aren't they? I mean, I saw it from the side. I thought it looked quite good and I even I tweeted about it saying that. It looked pretty good and then I saw it front on and I went, oh no, 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 it looks horrible. So can I take a guess, as the person who's meant to be the dunce, can I take a guess, is that they were just going, in 2017, we're going to have a ton more download, so let's just do a rough and ready thing to get that back end planted to simulate 2017 conditions. Effectively, yeah. I knew a thing. Yeah, that's exactly what they were doing. What would be the benefit of, of doing it that way? Because 
it's n- nothing's equal. Obviously, you've got a 2016 car and you want to understand 2017. You haven't got 2017 tyres, which are much wider. Um, you haven't got uh, a lot more uh, diffuser space to work with. So, because the diffuser has been increased by a huge amount for for 2017, uh, there's lots of things that are changing in 2017 that we'll probably need to do a whole new show on, um, if everybody's up for it. Um, but um, basically, yeah, it, it's all about understanding without building a 2017 car and giving away all of the secrets that you've accrued on your 2017 understandings. Oh, I see. Yeah. And and by the way, you can have a 2017 reg show post Monaco review if you'd like, Summers. This forum is open for you. Uh, so um, so what you're saying is they, they it's not that they don't know how to make uh, downforce with the 2017 regs. They just don't want to show anyone what they've done. Well, they don't want to show anybody, but obviously you would need a 2017 car. Um, they, they've just sort of they, they did this in Austria last year. Um, if you noticed um, in the post-test in Austria last season, they ran some winglets on the the front of the, on the floor in front of the rear tyre, and they also ran a skirt along the side of the the floor as well. And that was all about understanding what potentially could change for 2017. And that's what this rear wing is all about: understanding 2017's rules. There's also um, another picture as well, which we we've got of the Williams, which shows the front wing. Um, which is which basically was them being able to adjust the wing whilst they're out on track. So obviously in 2009 you could adjust the wing anyway, but we don't want to step back all the way to, to 2009 and have all that complication. So you'll notice on that picture that there's some uh, mounts coming from the where the cameras usually are situated down to the front wing. Right. And those mm-hmm. there help to adjust the front wing whilst out on track. So the driver could actually adjust that while they're on track. Nice. Or you could just install some interesting springs on it and just stall it entirely when it's moving at speed like Red Bull did. <laughs> oh, Brazil. Yeah, you remember that? What well, was Abu Dhabi? I think they got nailed for it, but only because someone ratted them out. FIA yeah. never caught it. Well, should we move on? Is there anything else you want to mention before we jump ahead to Monaco? Nope, we're good to go. All right. Well, let's talk about the next race, shall we? I'm on mute, damn it. If I could be (laughs) Spanner's voice right now, I would be saying... Go ahead. Join the Facebook group. Search Missed Apex Podcast. There's 76 people in there. You could be the 77th. Join that. That's your group. You post what you like. Keep it clean. Follow us on Twitter at Missed Apex using the hashtag WeLiveF1. Monaco, Matt. Monaco. The track is rubbish. I don't like it. I love the track. What? What, for F1? I agree. In qualifying. (laughs) I love the track in qualifying. Just seeing them go for it. Because it's basically all just walls and buildings. And I got to say, the swimming pool chicane, I love the shot coming out of there. And the last turn of Duraskas is such a mighty It's ever so much fun to see them. Got blue black. Sorry, was was that was that too far? Yeah, I've got a I have an 11-year-old. The words I can use around her are a bit different, I'll be honest. Beep. Um, 
Okay, but so- I do. I I love the track, but I don't love the race on the track because there is no way to pass, and the cars are simply too planted to make it entertaining. Unless it rains, which it might do. So what I was going to rain. Yeah, there is forecast for rain, but it's a little bit far out now, isn't it? To to sort of yeah, see yeah, it yeah. properly. So what oh, I was yeah. saying to people and how I resolve it in my mind, because from a racing point of view, it's a lost weekend. Because when you get anyone like Perez who tries to do anything, like stick it down the inside of Kimi Raikkonen, oh, you're a lunatic, oh, you're a maniac, oh, I'm going to punch him in the face. Well, what do you expect him to do? He sat behind you for 70-odd laps. Like, (laughs) Do you really expect him to not have a go in one of the only places you're going to have a go? So, no, the the race is is rubbish, but... And someone in the chat room has just said, Monaco sucks, and that's not unfair. But to me, you go, okay... So this is, it's like when you're watching a test match and you know it's a a batting pitch and it's flat and you know that what you're going to see is one team score 600, declare, and then you're just going to see them bat out five days. It's It's just a celebration of F1 as much as it is a race. So, you know, it's enjoyable listening to the commentators struggling to talk about something that, oh, look at that, look at that pigeon. On, on in the tunnel there, that's great. And you know, in Test match cricket, they go, "Oh yes, the number forty-seven bus late, later." I notice uh, it's normally here at five past. It's now seven past. So you can kind of just enjoy it. This is a time to relax, not worry about the championship or the race, and just go. Let's just soak in Formula One. Let's enjoy the imagery of it uh, and just chill about the fact that it's a non-race. I think it's really it's, it's entertainingly. I think it's very challenging for the drivers. I think it's boring as a yeah. spectator, but I think it's quite challenging for the drivers and they have to put a special steering rack in just to make the hairpin. Really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. To get more more turn. Yep. <laughs> yep. So so yeah. there's lots of little there's lots of little interesting things, but there's a few important things that are going to be happening too. In particular, Monaco is going to be where they decide what form of head protection, aside from helmets, which are already mandated, the drivers will be using next year. Oh, really? The halo or the arrow screen. Is this as, as early oh, as third next option. year? What's the third option, Summers? There's another another solution that's being being tested, apparently. It's sort of similar to the halo is what I've been reading. Yeah. A, diff- a yeah. different so version of the halo. Version 2.0. Yeah, that kind of thing. Wow, I've not so seen it... any renderings of that yet. Are they out there? No. Okay. Well, there's something to look forward to. So which one is it, Summers? Halo or arrow screen? I think from an aesthetic point of view, I prefer the arrow screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think from, from a safety point of view, I prefer the arrow screen as well. Yeah, I think there's plus and minus points to, to both solutions, to be perfectly honest. And the whole reason that the FIA looked at this in the first place was not to deal with small debris, which is what the arrow screen is trying to do. Yeah. So I think it's something that's evolved because Red Bull have made it evolve. Um, listening to feedback from from the public as such. So I think that's good for F1 in as much as that Red Bull are prepared to listen to us and, and hear what we want, want doing. Um, but that wasn't what was originally set out for. Uh, the, the chat room is saying, scrap the halo and aero screen. They're both stupid ideas. And uh, And someone else in the chat room is demanding a picture of what we're talking about now. See what we've done. We've created a, a president uh, that, that we're now, not a president, a precedent that we've put pictures up. Sorry, I, I can't pull that up on the fly. I'm a terrible producer. I only had what Summer's provided for me. Um, so 
given so given that um Red Bull have their new engine and um and given that Mercedes are dominant and Ferrari have their heads stuck in a very dark place uh do we have any predictions for the Monaco Grand Prix not necessarily just the winners but things that will happen trends that we'll see well I just want to throw it out there right now that uh, Red Bull are going to win in Monaco nah I do think so I mean come on the chassis is is good enough, I think. To, Trumpets is shaking his head. Yeah, of course. because you've but, been wrong so much over the last two weeks. It's pointless <laughs> listening to you. Like, I apologise, oh, listener. Dear. I really do. Oh. So you think Red Bull are going to win. Okay, so there's two scenarios. One is that the Mercs trip over each other and they are the best of the rest. The other is that they qualify at the front and because it's Monaco, they then win from there. Which one are you saying is going to happen? I think it, either is a really strong possibility. I think probably the more likely is the Mercedes trip over each other. Right. So, so you think can, that Red I, Bull will be faster than Mercedes in qualifying? I think. I'm going to make you say that them. out loud so they we can, can play it the split whole the rest of the season. They can split the Mercedes. Rubbish. I the, there can be a they, they can be a Red Bull on the front row. No, absolutely, 100%. The Mercs are going to lock out the front row and, unless somebody parks it in a runoff area. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uh, but let's go to Summers. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what does Summers think about... Is Renault really... Is that new power unit going to be the difference to put them up and split the Mercedes? I really don't think so. Um, stake your reputation on it. I stake my reputation on it. Um, shall I tell you who I bet on at the last race? And oh, that might give you an indication. Go on. Ricardo. You think Ricardo might with his new power unit might have the capacity to split them? It's a poss it's a possibility. Come on, for, for the sake good. of F one and for the sake of having something interesting happen at Monaco, please, Ricardo, <laughs> put it on pole. Yeah, well you're wishing, you're wishing more than analysing. I can see your heart yeah. there. Uh yeah. for, for me it's oh, a... you, you're nice to him about it. But I try and say He's a tech we... expert with 12,000 Twitter followers. Who are you? He's just a Who are you? 14,000. <laughs> there we go. Be... Me, I know, and oh, that was awkward for me. Mean. Trumpets, do you, do you think Merck are going to lock it out? They're, they're going to lock it out. I think, they, I think the dominance of their engine is such, even with the updates, at least one of the two Mercedes will be faster. And I would go for both, but the one thing that everyone's tending to overlook right now, which does tend to be problematic at Monaco more than other places, is traffic during qualifying. Yeah, It's yeah. just enough of a wild card that I wouldn't go for my normal two Mercedes on the front row. But traffic could play just as much against Red Bull as anybody else. So, and this is again one of the reasons why I think qualifying at Monaco is really what you ought to be watching more than anything else. I think Toro Rosso could be in the top six again as well. That's a good. Yeah, I would, I would say look out for McLaren, nah. not at the front yeah. end, but I, I would expect them to 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 be in Q three. In oh. the points, I can agree. What about Williams? Well, They're not Gen not point. Jensen, obviously. You're talking about Alonso. <laughs> You're, talking about Alonso. <laughs> You're talking about Alonso in Q three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Do you think? And then his car will break down in the race. Because Williams, for the last two years, have had a nightmare in Monaco. Yeah, because they they have trouble switching tires on. It's all to do yeah. with tire temperature, and and Williams are terrible with tires. So, uh, uh, 
It's not just that. William's a Donkey Kong. We've established this, haven't we? Did we do this on this show or on e-radio show? Well, that was on e-radio. Uh, you said the DS version was Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, yeah. In the old um, Super Nintendo Mario Kart game, you basically had the normal karts, which was Mario and Luigi, and then you had the ones that had pure speed but couldn't turn, which was Donkey Kong and Cooper. Bowser. Bowser, there we go, Bowser. So, yeah, basically... This was the next TV. William's your Donkey Kong, baby. Uh, okay, uh, I've got a quiz, Matt. Righto, then. All right, look, let's see how much you know about Monaco. Oh, no, you missed the apex. When was the first Monaco Grand Prix? Shout out. 56. Ooh. 51. 29. Chris Stevens <laughs> knocks it out of the box. <laughs> 1929. Have you, did you know, did you anticipate this quiz? No, no, I, I that was... um. It was a, a little bit of a stab in the dark, that one. But I <laughs> seem to remember the first... It was, it was sometime in the 20s, I remember. Well, there you go. You get 1,929 points. It was a good one to get right. The Monaco circuit is the shortest Grand Prix circuit. How far is it in kilometres round one lap? Two. Two. Two kilometres. <laughs> two kilometres. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Like 5.2. 5.2 from Trumpet. Summers, go on, take a stab. 4.6 your closest it's 3.3 kilometers it's very short and it tends to cover more laps around 78 who has won the most monaco grand prix senna schumacher schumacher oh chris stevens again oh my <laughs> god you you are slowly but surely getting rid of the idiot tag that you've gained uh the reputation of in the last couple of weeks on this podcast and senna's won six times and schumacher has won five times along with graham hill uh how many times has nico rosberg won it now three 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 so on he's, he's on his way he's on his way three on the trot um okay and which team has had the most victories at monaco Ooh. Take a stab, boys. Well, there's only one team with the history to it, Donnie, and that'd be Ferrari, but I gather that's going to be wrong. But I'm going to say Ferrari. I'll go McLaren. Chris? McLaren. Yeah, Sam, as you give me too much credit that I'm like looking for like interesting questions that are going to catch you out, I don't have that kind of time. No, it is McLaren who have won 15 times at Monaco, so maybe they'll make it 16. I think that's about all we've got time for, is it not, Matt? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Comment of the week. Uh, comment of the week. <laughs> I nearly didn't read it out, but basically with the claims of the McLaren chassis, and the Red Bull chassis. Uh, MG says the Red Bull chassis will also help you lose £10 and give you more luck with the ladies to add to the claims <laughs> that it will go on. So, so I think we'll give the comment of the week there. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt, plugs. I'm, I'm taking your, your thunder. No, no, no. Plug away. Um, yes, yeah, so please subscribe. Have it delivered as well. Search Missed Apex and leave us reviews for the love of all that is Formula One, leave us some reviews so we can be on the charts and iTunes. Even a handful of reviews will make the difference. And that's you contributing directly to helping everybody out to be more informed. You can also look for us on Spanners. Yeah, well, obviously, if you search iTunes, my feed is the one that says buy Spanners ready. And just to say that, yes, we are in other places, but that is the place that I guarantee will always have the show. I'd like to point people to Facebook again. Search Missed Apex. Even Matt Trumpets has had got a Facebook account to be active 
on that page and get in there. And of course, I want people to go on SpannersReady.com. I think I've stolen enough plugs. Chris Stevens, where can we find you? Uh, On Twitter, you can find me at CStevens underscore journo. And find all my written bits at www.formulaspy.com. All my F1 and FE articles are up there. All right. And Mr. Summers, where might we find you on the internet? So you can find me on Twitter at SummersF1, or you can read my stuff either at uh, motorsport.com or on my own website, summersf1.co.uk. Right. And you can find me, Matt Trumpets, at MattPT55 on the Twitters. And before we go, I have to give a special shout out to Sutton Images for providing all of the lovely pictures we looked at today. So do yourself a favor, go check out his stuff. All right, I'm Matt Trumpets. Thanks for joining us on this Apex Tech. To be fair, I gave you no warning or no chance to know when the music was going to ramp up there so you've done a great job (laughs) despite that so yeah catch us on tech time i think is what you were saying yep that's what i was saying we've done all right there you and me we need to work out our communication for when i'm producing your hosting but i think we were more or less there i think so and summers man brilliant stuff i thought i was above average in terms of technical no you're wrong yeah you don't you don't know anything you're terrible could be worse (laughs) it could be you spanners but at least i'm good looking at least i carry this see the difference mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.